welcome the fans of the genre 36 for some time on August 4th, 2017. I'm Brian Swanson. I'm Mikey Krieger. And I'm Rhodes Gaynor. Um, this week, we uh, two-thirds of the podcast has played Fulbright's new game, Tacoma. It's their follow-up to, uh, what is it, 2012's Gone Home. 2013. 2013's Gone Home. Um, so yeah, I, I played through Tacoma last night. Um, technically, the day it came out was like 5 p.m. on Tuesday, but I didn't get a chance to play it till Wednesday, and it's kind of why we held off on recording the show, because we wanted to talk about a game that... Uh, at least I've been really, really looking forward to for the last couple of months. Yeah, yeah well, you, Brian and I went to. We drove down to Portland to play it. A few it's true, back. you're better, bigger fans than I am. Pretty yep. big fans, huge fans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as, you, as you can tell from my my Twitter feed, like Steve and I are really good friends now. So. Um, oh yeah! Congratulations. He he yeah. responded to you and everyone else that complimented the game. Did he yeah. tweet a picture of but, you? No, we we had a we had a good back and forth. I know. For, you, had like, a, you had a good back and forth. We, we had a good repertoire. Sure. Of yeah. course. Um, He's a good boy. He is a good boy. I really like the game. I don't know. I, I, I tried to go into this like not getting myself too hyped up because everything I'd seen about the game got me like curious and, and interested, but like not hyped. And there was mm. no, you know, one of the things that this game had trouble, I think, not trouble, but for me, it was, it was tough to uh, be surprised by it because Gone Home came out of nowhere and subverted everybody's expectations. So now, in the lead up to Tacoma, I sort of think that we were all expecting something, whereas before we had nothing. Does that was, make sense? Was Gone Home actually uh, is sort of based off of an earlier conversation we were having over text? But was Gone Home actually sort of like quote marketed as a horror game? Um, not not that I recall. It just had that like kind of eerie that vibe. Like, like a, like a Twin Peaks kind of vibe almost, where it's like mm-hmm. yeah. it's set in the Pacific Northwest in this big mansion. Like you just see it, and it's like dark, and like it it definitely presents itself as a horror game. Like Purples I can't recall and stuff. Um, yeah. whether or not they actually like sold it as such. Um, I don't think horror no. is anywhere in there, but I can see what you're saying. Like some of the, yeah. the imagery. Yeah, and I think even playing it when you didn't know anything about it, um, I mean, I remember being scared and. There were certain things that like caused jump scares, but but not in the <laughs> traditional sense. It was mostly just like you, kind of like tricking yourself, kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but uh, but aside from uh, all that, I I was pleasantly surprised at how much I liked Tacoma. And I it's actually the more I think about it, the more I talk about it with you, Mikey. We sorry, Brian. We had a separate text th- thread going. <laughs> talking about I, I texted you because I want to talk about spoilies, and I didn't want to spoil the, the game. Is off. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Um, the more I talk about it with folks that have played it, uh, the more I like it. Uh, Mikey, what do you think? Um, so, um, real quick, I just watched the launch trailer for uh, Gone Home. It absolutely does not present itself as a horror game. <laughs> it's like it's a political okay. agenda. Oh, I what guess. a cute story! Like, like your sister. Like, you come home, nobody's home, and where's your sister? Like, she just left you this note. Um, so yeah, it definitely wasn't marketed as that. Um, so as you have in the little notes here that says like. Tacoma's really good, but not good as Gone Home. Um, I actually like it way more than I like Gone Home, and I love Gone Home. Yeah. Um, because as we were saying, like the game kind of presents itself as a horror game as you're playing it. Like you're in this giant, like Resident, like almost Resident Evil like mansion where it's like this is your mm-hmm. environment. You're closed off from certain places. Like you're navigating throughout, and like yeah, like you go into like hallways and it's dark and like boards are creaking and 
like you don't know what's going on and like spoilers you get to the end of the game and like you, you go, go up into the attic and you're like okay there's gonna be like a fucking ghost up here it's like yeah no it's really cute and like there's like little christmas lights strung all about and mm-hmm. your sister's little kind of like makeshift hideaway room and it's like really cute and sweet and mm-hmm. yeah i like for me and for i feel a lot of people like that was like the big part of the game where it's like it really surprised you because it's it seems like it's one thing but it's not and then going back and playing it now that you know that there's you know like there's not a jump scare around the corner at all mm-hmm. right like, like that was part of what made that game special and Tacoma it presents itself as um, like the premise is you're going to this space station that um, has been shut down and you're going to retrieve um, some data that was accumulated there and yes. you're experiencing these environments by um, like the so the ship's AI is constantly recording and it records like 3D um, holograms basically yeah like these 3D holograms and uh, you're going back and you're playing these recordings and you're moving around the environment while these like wireframes that represent the people are moving around and engaging and t- like having conversations and so like you go into like the first areas like the kind of like living quarters mm-hmm. and um you go in there and like little things it's like oh here's an uh, ar recording and you pick it up like there's one person over in this room there's two people in the kitchen there's uh sarah she's down by the pool tables and you press play and everybody's moving at once yeah it's so, like everything's scripted to be exactly like if this recording's two minutes 20 seconds everyone's like miniature arc here is two minutes 20 seconds and then they'll kind of like weave in and out of each other and the way that it's presented is i feel this game's hook where like the horror like the horror fake out was the hook of gone home and Mm -hmm. like having like knowing this hook going into it like being able to see it early on like it was it never became unimpressive to me totally um yeah, and I, the I, best I, comparison I've heard for for like what this experience is like is is that interactive theater kind of like Sleep No More in New York, where like you've got um, like actors in a big warehouse and you get to kind of follow them around through different rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. And and this you actually have more control because you get to rewind and like revisit entire conversations uh, that were happening with different people. Yeah, and and at certain parts, people will have like opened up their personal computers that like they have like attached yeah. to their wrist or something. And so, um, whenever you're in these environments, there's a little like, uh, little HUD display of like a media player, and yeah. at points where people open up their displays, which then you can like um, peer into their computers, like recorded at that time, and they can go through different files and conversations that they've had, um, chat logs, emails, yeah, like so their and, personal ID card. Yeah. So when you go into these separate wings, um, like you can see the markers where it'll be like a question mark at like. 10 seconds or whatever, and then, like, down at, like, a minute 10, there's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so, like, you see those, like, you'll be following one pathway, and, like, you'll see the thing where, like, another one pops up, and it's like, okay, so now I need to, now I need to go back, rewind, and experience this scenario from someone Follow else's someone else, yeah. And, yeah, like, like I said, like, that, like, hook, that gimmick, like, never gets old. Like, mm-hmm. they use it in such a way that's, like, really fascinating in a way that has, I feel, more longevity than the horror fake out hook that gone home had totally um yeah like this one to me like when i beat it i wanted to go back and play it again mm, same. because i feel like i feel like i could still be surprised by things that i didn't quite pick up the first time whereas like gone home the main reason there's like 
actually a really tragic story hidden and gone home that not a lot of people have like discovered mm -hmm. and it is worth playing through again yeah but like in terms of like what your character is doing and learning and like how you fit into this narrative there are certain things in Tacoma that are uh, that you can miss and I think that like it'll keep surprising you with the subsequent playthrough whereas so, I feel like it would have been a little bit lost and gone home so like yeah, I I just I'm wondering like hearing about that like does it ever get old having to sort of like cue a conversation to rewind and repeat and hear them say the same things over and over again or is the no, game not, short enough that like you just sort of like do it a couple times get what you need and move on so I um, I goofed yeah. around a lot like you guys saw my tweets like there's a, a mm. there's the first part where they're celebrating obsolescence day, which is the day that they figure out like whose contract is uh, expired and who's staying on for the next year of service because everybody on the ship uh, ship is under a year long contract huh. um, with the parent company. So you go there and there's like they have like a happy obsolescence day, like the little hang up letters that you have for like birthday parties and stuff. Mm -hmm. And as is like full bread bread and butter, like you can pick up things, like spin around the objects, look at them. Um, and all of those individual letters are interactable and like you can just hang them up on the wall. And so like I took a bunch of screenshots, like the first one's like I rearranged the word, so it says eat ass, and I took a screen cap of it and then <laughs> Good job. Um, I recreated the, the exact same guitar and toilet that I did when we played it down in Portland. Of course. Except this time except this Good time toilet. I brought I individually brought every letter back and forth down this hallway so I could spell it out. I could like I spent a good like forty five minutes just sticking around in that room, um, and my entire playthrough was like four and a half hours, um, and that's with like a lot of like time to like, I took personal breaks where it's like okay I'm gonna decompress from all this crazy shit that's been happening and like check huh. my Twitter real quick. So, like goofing around a lot, it was like f four hours. So um, yeah. you're gonna get everything. Everything's pretty yeah. Yeah, but so you'll Short. be like listening to a conversation, and then like somebody walks in and joins that conversation or like, and they'll be like in the middle of talking to someone else. And so you're like, Oh shit. Like what were they talking about? And like, for me, I was genuinely interested in like, like really excited to go back and like see what they're yeah, doing same. beforehand. And like, um, yeah. Like, and so there's six crew members on this ship. And, um, some of the criticisms I heard where it's like, it's really hard to follow these like six like storylines. And honestly, it's more like four. Um, yeah, I would say that it was like, I don't know, to get back to the original question real quick, like the conversation situation, like in the rooms, I would say that the longest session of dialogue and like following people around was like, what, like five or seven minutes or something? Like it wasn't... Not not even, it was like three minutes. Not like, even, it was like three was minutes, it, 30 seconds or something. There, so it's, there, it's really... One, uh, yeah. I was going to say, there, there's one later on where it's like the little like video, yeah. uh, video player display says like... 22 minutes and I was like oh fuck um, yeah. but like a big thing of this is that you're collecting all this data and like it's like quickly being corrupted so you're like like time is an issue like you're trying to get this data as quick as yeah. you can like like in game I don't think there's actually any like time constraints no. but uh so like and then it kind of messes with you where like the middle like like 20 minutes is corrupted so like it skips forward and so then like you actually miss a bit of things that are happening um, yeah, and then you're trying to like piece together what happened in that like intermediary right. period. But I guess the larger point that I was trying to make is that like fast forwarding and rewinding doesn't take more than like you probably won't spend if you're like trying to just play it at a leisurely pace. I don't think you'd spend more than ten minutes in any one ten to fifteen minutes in any one like situation. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, like and for, for me, it's so like then like you do have those little uh, like personal computer things pop up where you're like going through messages yeah. and 
um, like reading conversations and the the like narrative path of the game like puts the like you know least important or like like it unravels everything in a way and it's not like it's not in chronological order at all like I think at first it starts like mm-hmm. three days prior and then you'll go back to like yeah you'll find things that are three months prior six months prior like a year prior to right when they started um, like you learn things about the characters and you learn their history and uh, like Sarah's like plot line in particular I found like really interesting yeah um, yeah I, I would say that like the 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 characters are all extremely well written and acted. God, yeah, the voiceover is phenomenal. By, yeah, like it's the performances are very good. Like, mm-hmm. and the game does a lot of showing and not telling, and I think that's kind of what the um, what Fulbright does very well is like right. you you and it also encourages you to you're not going to get as much if you're not digging around every single cubby and drawer and like reading every note that you find. Um, because it just like it it ends up feeling like one of the most lived in worlds I've been oh, in. Yeah, absolutely. In a game, That's especially good. like when you go into like the, I don't want to spoil any. We can probably move on after this. I, I just want to. I don't want to like ruin it like by overhyping it. But like each person's personal room um, feels unique and like specific to that character. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I, they, I, like I remember, the characters in game do certain things to their spaces to make it feel like a room. Yeah, like, know? so one of the characters, like, he's going through a lot of shit, and, like, you see on his, like, nightstand, um, like, sitting there still is, like, a bottle of whiskey and a glass, and there's a lot of, like, the, like, glass, like, rim stains on the couch. Everywhere, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh, shit, like, th- that little kind of, like, detail of set dressing, and then, um, like, you could very easily miss... A key that's in a different room that unlocks mm-hmm. that character's little uh, like storage locker underneath their bed, and there's like notes in there, little things that like just yep. build the characters, and like it's very easy to overlook a lot of this stuff. And like um, the, the thing that like Steve Gaynor like not like pioneered, but I think is one of the best people at creating mm-hmm. this feeling is like that environmental narrative and storytelling where like things are placed in a certain way, and yeah, um, yeah. Like, one character who's, like, really pissy about her job, like, you go find her locker a little bit later, and uh, you find, like, union paperwork in there. And you're just like, oh, shit, like, it's kind of building this, like, idea, like, building these characters and, like, what their values are and, like, establishing the world. And, like, it's all, like, everything is in a very specific place for a very specific reason. And it's, it's really remarkable, like... And that's why I took my time. That's why I wasn't rushing through it all. It's because like I wanted mm-hmm. to go through every corner, find out all these little details, and um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Like I I personally I like to come a lot more. Like um, it does a like it, it, the game can't be like catered to the climate, like with mm-hmm. just like the natural like lifespan of like game development. Um, but like there's a lot of things in there that are like topical like there are certain movements yeah. going on right now that totally um like this game clearly had in mind like f- from its like core concepts um so so that's interesting you think it's from the core concept and i don't want to like have it just be you and me talking about a game that brian hasn't but played that's yet. okay i'm very but, interested but like i remember so steve did a bunch of interviews and podcast appearances like maybe about a year ago at this point and one in particular uh it was like post gdc or something he went on an interview show with Giant Bomb and told Brad um, 
Sorry, I'm going to rewind a little bit. I've got this all wrong. Brad played an early version of Tacoma and gave feedback. And partway through, like, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, they, like, scrapped a lot of the core concepts of Tacoma and kind of started over. Oh, okay. Right, they did, yeah. And there are, cer- there are certain things about this where, like, I could see this game going a certain way. And then... Oh man, I wish I could like nail down specifics, but I do remember thinking yeah. at certain points like, oh, this is maybe where this is going to go and like this is very topical, so maybe they changed their mind last minute. I don't know. Well, and it's th- th- very th- interesting. I I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear what sort of concepts they were working with before right. they decided to scrap everything. Yeah, I remember that- the trailer that they released too at uh it was the Video Game Awards back in 2014. That sounds right. Uh, yeah. It was like Xbox exclusive Tacoma, and everything looked a lot more, um, uh, for lack of a, of a better comparison, like Dishonored in space. Like, sure, like just very. It like, looked more like Prey, maybe. Maybe a little <laughs> yeah. more like Prey, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is Dishonored in space. Uh, yeah. But then I do remember, like a year later, a trailer came out, and they were like a, a lot more along the lines of like, "Yep, we're we scrapped it, and we're redoing it," and. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder what that was at one point. Like, it was probably yeah. still the same concept, right? Like, a game with, with where a story unfolds around you. Like, you know, it, it wasn't yes. Prey, but... So, right. Yeah, like... I have a feeling that it, it, like, this game, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that it deals with concepts of, like, existence. Um, it's yeah. kind of like a running theme as technology companies start developing artificial intelligence and blah, blah, blah. And I, I have a feeling that they wa- wanted to go one way with that sort of story, maybe a more obvious direction and the way they go is a little bit more surprising yeah so i'll say without like trying really hard to not spoil it like but reference to a uh, twitter thread you sent me like it deals with um economics and cultural values and like the conflicting nature between like how we kind of perceive those like we don't see these things going hand in hand in the future like it's melding two different ideologies together into something that I don't think right now we can conceive like it, it, it's really interesting the way that yeah. um, the economics of that game work like th- there's a lot of concepts that, like like I think that was the main thing you and I were initially like holy shit like the way that this world is set up like in terms of like how like what the currency of that world is and um, like the value that it places on people and work it's really interesting like Mm-hmm. It, it goes into a lot, and like, yeah. I want everyone to play this game, so I don't want to spoil any of it because it's yeah. pretty great. Please play it, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the next question that tri- it begs me to ask, and I don't want you to answer it, is: Is it going to be cynical or is it going to be optimistic? And so I, I will find that out. Yeah. Yes. We'll let that be rhetorical. I'll, I'll say yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So we did this, but we. I mean, as we we're talking about it, we just did it. But I, I wanted to bring up something I noticed when reviews hit. And all people were tweeting, and I saw headlines for this game. Uh, mm-hmm. They invariably compared it to Gone Home right off the bat, and yeah. it kind of made me question what reviewers were doing when they were like playing the game. Like for me, I tried to play this, play this without thinking about Gone Home and like whether it was as emotionally resonant as Gone Home or if it was as good as Gone Home. Because I think that like that's unfair to the game that I'm playing. Like I, I loved Gone Home in 2013. I'm sure if I replayed it right now, it might not like you know hit me the same way. But like I don't know. 
I, I thought it was like unfair for reviewers to just immediately make gone home comparisons. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I saw it with Pyre as well. They're like com- trying to fit Pyre in super giants, like gaming library, like qualitatively. Right. Like, oh yeah. It's like, uh, Bastion's the best, but Pyre's still pretty good. Or, you know, like, I don't know. I, I kind of want more people to approach these games if it's the only thing that's in front of them, as if there's no baggage or expectations based on the studio's like merit. Um, yeah. Did you guys I, notice that, or is that just something that I'm like it making tot- up? It totally happens, and like I think it it kind of happens with like Telltale games as well. Like uh, this is The Walking Dead. Sure. Um, yeah. And like I think it's it's hard to do it either way, right? Like everyone wants to know if like the next call of how the next call of duty compares to the last right because that might dictate if they buy it or not um right like iterative things like that people are looking for comparisons but you know games like this the games that um try to really set themselves apart by the same studio or something like i think do get um damaged or like hindered in the process of like trying to be its own thing right like tacoma and gone home are not the same series and so you can it's hard to compare yeah and i i guess i'm of two minds and i go back and forth because like you said sequels it makes sense to compare sequels and iterative franchises like it makes sense to compare it to the one before it but like and and like tons of factors including a studio's previous work will influence their next game even if it is a totally different like intellectual property um since row and agents of mayhem yeah exactly yeah um but if the game like pyre and transistor or or, uh sorry pyre and tacoma are like trying to do and say different things like it feels disingenuous and unfair to compare it to the games that came before it so Mm -hmm. how i kind of felt about it um like coming out of e3 um people responding to a way out which is the uh the second game by the studio that made brothers uh tale of two sons where everyone was kind of like was that yeah, keep going. Yeah, um, so uh, people were saying like, oh, like, of course, like this is the like ingenious, like natural next step. like next step for that kind of gameplay. I felt that way about Tacoma in terms of like the exploratory, narrative-driven adventure, where like you're like experiencing this space and like the lives of these people, and you're like not quite intruding. Like if you almost feel kind of like a ghost or some kind of paranormal figure like lording yeah. over the lives of these people and this like what really is kind of like in a like a ghost house almost um right like it like i felt that way where like this was like a logical next step for like exploratory narrative driven games like the poly- it might be a logical next step for fulbright but like since gone home you've had games like firewatch and everybody's gone to the rapture and soma and all these other like immersive sims uh, or walking simulators, if you want to call them that, come out. And like, I'd almost be more comfortable if they like compared it to more recent games that have tried to do similar things, but like they just went straight to Gone Home. But right. I, I don't know. I, I think maybe it's just comes down to like style of review. Like some people want contextual things. Mm-hmm. I might just be more interested in something like this. Like there are going to be some people that play Tacoma without even thinking about Gone Home, or who, who have never played Gone Home. Yeah. So, what value do you g- give them by comparing it to Gone Home? You yeah, know? 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like it's just I don't know. So in in that vein, one thing that I'll say, where like a lot of people talked about Firewatch, like how you like you pull up a map and like everything yeah. you do, like you actually do. Um, whenever you instigate any of these like AR recordings, like these three D hologram like mini play like, mm-hmm. that happen, like you do this really cool like Minority Report like hand motion that like retrieves this AR file and plays it. Like every time it pulled up, I'm like, that's so fucking cool. Let's move on. Uh, Brian, what have you been playing? Uh, I'm playing a bit of Splatoon 2. Uh, I think we talked about it last week a little bit, but um, I'm I saw like a cheeky article from uh, Kirk Hamilton on um, Kotaku about uh, like saying don't use the motion controls if you're the other team on Splatoon. Yeah. And I was wondering, like Mikey, you've been playing Splatoon uh, 2 a bit as well. Um, do you use motion controls at all? No, I typically play. Um, like portable, like handheld. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, with any motion controls turned off, like if you could in the way, um, I think it was Zelda where, I forget what game it was, but like if I could still do, because I think if you do motion controls, it removes vertical it does. Um, controls on the right stick. Like if I could do it to get that like, like pixel precision to like, like move, move mostly with the right stick for like large movements and then like, that like finite like little finesse um, moving like if yeah. I could do motion controls with that like that would be perfect but um, yeah for vertical movement in the for the camera like you need to either do motion controls or analog controls and that's what I was hoping for but yeah you're right like the vertical is completely gone and it it kind of sucks yeah it does um, but I've been playing it on the the pro controller so like the pro controller feels pretty good but I think the two of you have have sort of uh, complained a little bit about like getting used to PC controls for games like PUBG and I feel like I'm coming to realize I'm just not used to using a controller as much as I thought I was. Uh, Interesting. And that's weird to me now. For yeah. at least first person shooters. And and yeah. to be fair, this is a very odd first person shooter in the way that like you control things, the way that movement works and um like guns don't have like just like straight fire, like they have very short range and they have like drop to them, like yeah, and, a lot of drop. So like yeah, like it's definitely an odd game, if, especially if you're not used to like physical controls. Like I can see how that would be like a massive hurdle to try and overcome. I'm also matchmaking with like level like 19s and I'm level four, and it it also feels bad. I don't I, get it. I really like in my experience that de- like levels don't necessarily relate to like quality of play just more like the volume of play like, yeah I, I run into that in overwatch a lot where like um like a lot of times i'll be the like highest level player and like my team just gets like decimated Hmm. yeah so. there must be like background mmr like matchmaking ranking that is calculated to put you up against other people of similar skill but i feel yeah. like i'm not very skilled and i don't know the game very well and playing against someone who's like a level like 15 or something just makes me think all right well at the very least this person has a significant like maybe three times as much time in this game as i do and uh i um, get ha- have you been trekked. playing the single player at all no is that the where you're like the little puzzle thing where you're like walking around like shooting balloons um i so th- that's in like the hub worlds um i mm-hmm. actually that they're in the levels too a little bit but that's not the goal um like it, it really is just like reach the end. Like you don't need to kill all the enemies or anything. But like, I do feel like it's a pretty good training ground. Um, 
like Patrick Klepek on Waypoint wrote an article about like how much he loves or like just about the game in general, but like a part of it was how much he loves the single player. I'm not as into it as I am a lot of other games. Like where if Overwatch had a single player component, like I would like that a lot. And like mm-hmm. Splatoon's is fine. Like it is a decent way of like stress free trying to like familiarize myself with the game and the controls and the mechanics and because it is like hard trying to learn the like like reloading is like diving into your ink and like swimming around and like trying to like not wait until you use up all of your ink before you do it and like be a little bit more tactical about your usage of it um i feel like single player is a really good way of like trying to find that balance um i still haven't played salmon run which really upsets me i want to play like that's the like horde like mode where you're fighting waves and waves of the octolings or whatever they are, um, or no, no, no they're, they're it's like salmon, they're fish, um, but yeah, like it's like I, I still really like the game. I played a little bit of competitive, um, and I like I either win by like a twenty percent margin or I lose by like a thirty percent margin. Yeah, um, like it, it's really intense. Like I've definitely gotten to the points of frustration in that and um if one person like disconnects or like is like afk or if like away from controller or whatever it'd be um like since it's four on four like one missing person's like no like overwatch yeah. like, if your team's really good you can pull it off but splatoon's like it's it's not happening yeah yeah it makes me wonder if there'd be a way to like balance that like everyone in your team gets some sort of bonus like more ammo or something yeah like, like I, a, I, yeah I, a handicap where it's like your health's higher you move faster yeah something but i don't know like it's 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 a good game it just it, it's very clear that this is like this is like xbox 360 playstation 3 level like multiplayer knowledge from nintendo to some extent like there's hmm. just a lot of issues i don't think that they've that they've had to tackle before yeah like only two maps are available at a time and they rotate like every hour or two um like it, it's a little weird, but because um, like I, I would like to like be able to say you know where it's like in Halo, it's like oh yeah we're gonna play team deathmatch on um, I can't think of any Halo levels right now, but like like that that's a thing where it's like oh no like we're gonna go and we're gonna play this this map and I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of games have that um, if there is like local multiplayer and like that's something that I'd like to be able to do with this game like yeah it, it's yeah. weird I I mean ultimately it's just about like covering like everything in ink so it's like not as like oh like here are all like the good like sniping spots here's where the good weapons will spawn um you know like it's like like a mirrored map because like each side is like the same like no matter where you're coming from like it it really cleverly um creates like in the way that like a MOBA does where like the map's flipped but you get but you're playing from the same perspective as the other team yeah um, like it, it's really well designed in that way, but um, yeah, I feel like maps aren't as big of a deal. But I would still like to be able to like. There are certain maps I like more than others. Like the um, the towers one, like mm-hmm. the one that's like super vertical. Like I'm not crazy about. Um, but all this sounds great. But I have a question for both of you. Yeah, how's arms doing these days? Um, I- one of my friends in IT at work, like that's his game. Like he plays that like almost exclusively um i hear it has a good community but yeah i read a good small community i read on kotaku today that it's not true um they wrote that arms doesn't have legs and i wrote an article months ago about harms how arms could have legs 
and yeah. I'm suing them for copyright infringement. You're right. That is weirdly an original joke, so I, I think that yeah, they must have stolen it from I, you. I mean, I, I have the receipts. Fair. Yeah. Hey, hey, Kotaku, do you hear that? We're coming at, we're coming at you. Yeah. First Gawker, um, now you. Coming at you, Mrs. Heather Alexandra. Whoa. Maybe maybe not. <laughs> um, I, I use the correct pronoun. Or, uh, you did. Yeah. You did. We can talk about that for a second, right? Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, uh, Heather, hold a sec. A very good picture of a very good boy in a striped shirt just popped up on my Twitter feed. That boy is Brian Swanson. Look at that daddy boy. Oh, yeah, it's a good looking boy. shorts in a mall. Yeah. With a um, tent on his back? That'll pack? be the cover art for this yes, week's episode oh my god yes oh shit god damn it i, I was saying that, that i was gonna think that we'd use one of my ass pictures from tacoma but now we have to use this maybe i'll do a um, slice, slice it very photoshop excited. it yeah mm-hmm. photoshop the ass letters into that picture maybe i'll photoshop the ass letters onto his ass yeah um eat my ass anyway i guess i didn't Email realize that. this but the 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 creator of earthworm jim and some other stuff uh, who later went on to like? He's the showrunner of Veggie Tales right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, ma- yeah, made cool. news today by, and this yeah, sentence uh, can never end well. No. Yeah. Um. So Heather Alexander at Kotaku uh, wrote an article about how Earthworm Jim basically just doesn't hold up, and she cited some reasons about its use of satire and its bad level design, and then the uh, the creator of Earthworm Jim quote tweeted the article. And misgendered Heather explicitly, yeah, explicitly. And despite a ton of like actually very reasonable people going like, "Hey, it's cool that you don't agree with the article, um, but what harm is there in misgendering Heather?" Like, and he was like, "I I didn't misgender him," and it was just like, barf, very so fucking cringy and bad. Yeah, and, and I don't even know who this guy is, but I guess a lot of people grew up like listening to or, or reading his stuff. Yeah, he had, he wrote and, graphic novels for years. Yeah. Um yeah, and like even more so like a lot of people came out of the woodwork like with horror stories of that dude. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's really I guess he's like a name searcher who like he constantly monitors what people are saying about him on Twitter and then will respond and just be a dick. And yeah. he but he sits on his like throne of like rationality and like Hey, if anyone wants to debate me one-on-one, just let me know and actually do real journalism, whatever. It's like, just fuck off, dude. You're being a dick. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my hot take on that. Um, I, when I got, when I built my PC, I wanted to go back and um, play older games that I haven't played in a while. And one of those was Fallout New Vegas because people have informed me that it's secretly the best Fallout. And <laughs> I haven't played it since I played it on 360 years ago. But I remember thinking that the bugs and like the jank got in the way of like my enjoyment of it. Um, and I thought I'd mod some HD textures and like make the stutter go away and all this stuff. Brian, have you ever modded anything on PC? Oh yeah, I used to do a lot of Skyrim modding uh, for really? a while. Um, there was you, the tropical like, Skyrim mod that turned all of the textures into like a tropical rainforest, and so yeah. that was pretty cool. But I, what, uh, what are you doing for the, it? How are you doing it? So, I think I followed, like, where was it? I think it is Google Fallout New Vegas mods, and I think I had to download something called Nexus Mod Manager mm-hmm. that, like, handled, it was, like, it, it's still technically a beta software, but it handles all your mods, and it, like, puts them in the right files and makes sure yeah. everything's going to work. And then I had to install a script extender or something 
for Fallout New Vegas to make sure all these mods would work. Yeah. Um, the process was like a lot harder than I thought. Um, and I guess some games have like mod support built into Steam, right? Or is right. that just not a thing? Uh, yeah. So with Steam Workshop, you can actually just like click subscribe to the mod, and then Steam will um, do it for you. Um, okay. I don't know if New Vegas has workshop support. I think it Skyrim doesn't. pioneered it. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was a really kind of cumbersome process, but um, I'm excited to like. I downloaded some like weather mods and like changing the sky to be a little more beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I said, like I said, HD textures. Uh, by default, you can't adjust how much RAM the game uses. So I did a thing that like bumped it from two to four right. gigabytes of RAM. So that will help other mods run better as well so it's all really interesting and fun and it's like kind of scratches that like tinkering itch that i got when i built the pc yeah uh i'm just constantly worried i'm gonna like fuck something up but i don't think that's necessarily possible it might like make the game like save crash or something but it it should be pretty good the thing about um the thing about new vegas is you know it's running off of the same software as fallout 3 and oblivion so mm-hmm. it's just gonna be older and cumbersome more cumbersome because of it because of like how old it is but skyrim is pretty solid when it comes to modding and i thought that the nexus mod manager was pretty helpful for it like essentially just like clicking install um yeah. there are a couple like uh things that make the game look even better i think um i think they're called enbs um and I don't know what the ENB stands for, but it essentially makes the game look really beautiful. Um, cool. Yeah, and the, the creator has has uh, has mods mods essentially for um, everything from like oh, there's a Fallout Three New Vegas one. I'll send you the link, but um, it's supposed to really like alter the game in a lot of ways to make the, the the graphics look real good. I like real good graphics. That's why I built a PC because I'm now. A member of the PC Master Race. Yes. Um, but that's kind of it. I haven't had a lot of time to like play games. Um, I played a little bit more PUBG. Uh, fun fact, listeners, as of this recording, the three of us have not played together. We've all played, or at least I've played with both of you independently or with other <laughs> people. But yes. um, yeah, I'm excited to get to that soon and maybe stream it or something. It'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of new games that I have yet to play that I want to. Like, I want to play Pyre. I want to play a little bit of Dream Daddy. Yeah, that'd be uh, fun. Date the some daddies dads. Of dreams. Um, but that's that's kind of it for me. Um, Mikey, did you want to talk about Dragon Ball Super? Yeah. Quick, real quick? Uh, decidedly not a video game. Uh, I Basically. But it's actually, like, because I'm so amped for Dragon Ball Fighters, um, like, mm-hmm. is what kind of, like, spurred me back into it. Uh I wa- was watching the dub version, and I reached the point where I can't not watch Dragon Ball because it, like it, the, the dub's up to like episode twenty five, and they just released episode one hundred and one uh, oh, yeah. for the sub. Um, mm. So earlier this week, I started watching again, and I am currently at what am I? Episode eighty six. Um, Oh, wow. Okay. So that was pretty slow. I I told you, I've been watching a lot of fucking Dragon Ball Super. Um, You've been watching a lot of fucking? Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of... Actually, Vegeta just had a a second child with Bulma. Oh, shit. There was some fucking there. Is his name Shorts? Uh, uh, Bola is her name. Oh, okay. Interesting. Oh, she's a Saiyan too, I bet. Well, yeah, Vegeta's her dad. Mm -hmm. Idiot. 
I wish Vegeta um, was, was my dad. What? Yeah, so like right now they're they're having a, a multi-universe fighting tournament and they have to create a 10-fighter team and the 10-fighter team is dope. It's so good. They're like, they bring back real old <laughs> characters in a really good way. Like, so Krillin's on the team. And yeah. I have a question. Is this like legit more Dragon Ball from Funimation and everything? Oh, yeah. yeah. This is a Kira Toriyama. Oh, wow. Like, well, so, so, so this is like dubbing, right? Oh, no. Funimation yeah, so, is so, company. No, uh, so Toy Animation does the Japanese. Oh. Uh, Funimation handles the dub and the American release. Um, so, like, yeah, like they, like Krillin has to go through. It's basically, you know, the, I forget what it's called, but, um, when Yoda sends, or actually, he tells Luke not to go into that little like cave, and in there he finds Darth Vader. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Krillin basically does the exact same thing, but for every character that's killed him. Um, <laughs> and it's it's really it's actually like really fucking great. Um, wow. And so like, and Krillin straight up like he spars with Gohan and beats Gohan by like outsmarting him because uh, the okay. the fight this tournament they're having is actually like a big battle royale and. The only way to be eliminated is to be thrown off the platform. So, like, if you knock someone out, it's like, okay, well, then you need to go throw them off. Um, and so, like, there's, like, a time limit, and you're just trying to throw as many people off of the platform. And so, like, it's not just, just and you can't fly or kill people. I think those are the other two rules. And so, like, they have to actually be smart. So, like, Krillin's actually, like, a really valuable asset. Because, like, Go, like, Gohan and Goku were just like, yeah, we're just going to go, and they're going to fuck him up. Um, and then, like... Yeah, Krillin like is just like uh, nope, and then Goku's like oh, but I'm I'm way stronger than that, and I can still do fine. And then like in a spar he's having with Krillin, like Android 18 steps in and is like uh, motherfucker, there's gonna be like 70 people gunning for you, um, and it's really good. Android 17's back. Um, oh yeah, that's not bad. Like gosh, it, it's so cool. Um, they, they, it's the action and the like escalation of Dragon Ball Z with the tone of Dragon Ball. And it's perfect. It, Dragon Ball Super is really fucking good. Does it feel at it. all too fan service at any time? I honestly don't think so. Um, okay. Like, there, there's a lot of things where it's like, oh, that'd be way cool if they did that. Like, they go to, like, our, like, partner universe, and there's, like, another Saiyan there. And, like, I want to know more about these other Saiyans because actually they're, like, heroes. They're, like, peacekeepers. Um... Hmm. Instead of like a warrior race that goes around like that are just like savages, um, like yeah, they they do a lot of things that could like they could have very well have like gone in like, um, like manipulated to the point of just like oh hey we're trying to make you guys happy, but they mm-hmm. actually like it, it's really good. I think it's it's definitely a lot more concise. Like the first like three or four arcs are like eight episodes total, like a piece, um, mm-hmm. and then like they do another future trunk saga that like works really well and it's oh, actually like cool and like it's the biggest most epic saga that like still like the show has had and it's like 20 episodes like but when you can like the dynamic saga was like 45 episodes right so it's still like not that scale and like every episode something's happening hmm. um, well that's probably good because like the original dragon ball z like of those 45 episodes at least a third of it was probably some sort of filler or like well yeah the, the, yeah. the problem the problem was like the Game of Thrones problem that's going on, or that like they've now just like decided to not even like regard, um, where like Akira Toriyama couldn't write the manga fast enough for the show, so like that's the reason why that there were filler episodes. Um, wow. And this like they're just like Akira Toriyama is just writing the anime. Um, that's great. So yeah, they don't need to like stall and just pad things with filler and like they do a good job of like 
Like, my biggest problem with Dragon Ball Z is they didn't spend enough time, especially in, like, the Cell Saga and, like, the Namek Saga, they're not even on Earth. Like, they don't do a good job, like, fleshing out the world, which is why I love the Boo Saga so much, because it starts with, like, six episodes of Gohan in high school. And it's, like, yeah. like, really cool and, like, reminds you that this is actually, like, Earth, and this is, like, a living, breathing world that's, like, worth defending, and, like, they spend a lot of downtime. Um, and, like, the reason why Gohan and Krillin each get back into the fight is because they're, like, I have children now, and, like, I, I got my ass kicked or nearly got my ass kicked and like what happens if you know Goku's not around to save the day like I won't be able to protect my child and so like like they're, like the motivations for characters are like really actually like, interesting and like it, it's it's awesome like I legitimately really enjoying Dragon Ball Super that's good sounds good yeah. um what do you guys say we log off and play some player unknowns battlegrounds yeah yes. okay Thank you all for listening so much, and thank you so much for listening. Um, this is Fans of the Genre. We're usually out on Mondays. This one's late because we wanted to talk about Tacoma. Sorry about that. We'll be back to our regular scheduled episode next Monday. week. Send us emails at info at infinitedogs.com. We'd love to read your questions. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps others discover the show. Folks, where can they find us on Twitter? You can find me at Brian T. Swanson. You can find me at Mikey Krieger. I'm at Rhodes Clark. The show is fans of genre or in, at infinite underscore dogs. Tell your friends, tell them to go to FOTG.zone for all of our episodes. And then thanks, John Bash, for composing original music. Thanks, John. You can find more. Thanks, John Bash. man. You did a good. Hey. I follow you on Twitter. Nice. Good for you. Um, what are you guys doing this weekend? Hanging out. Avoiding seafair. I'm yeah. avoiding heat. Yeah. That, we out. Peace. Goodbye.